Pastor Xavier Reese and the invaluable investment of friendship. The love of Jonathan was a pure love. The love of Jonathan was a faithful love. And the love of Jonathan was a giving love. It has been said, quote, some people make enemies instead of friends because it is less trouble. It takes a lot of work to be a good friend. Do you value your friends? Value the friends you have. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Friendship, we hear it written about in song, greeting cards, even in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. But coming up, Pastor Xavier turns to the book of 1 Samuel for Scripture's most beloved tale of enduring friendship, that of David and Jonathan. And it's here we see a loving relationship that models key characteristics for a strong and supportive bond of friendship that honors God. Let's listen. 1 Samuel chapter 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 in the message entitled, Jonathan Loved David. Let me read here verse 1 through 5. And now when he had finished speaking the psalm, the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. And then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war and was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. The love of Jonathan for David is manifested by three characteristics. The love of Jonathan was a pure love, verse 1. Secondly, the love of Jonathan was a faithful love, verse 2 and 3. And thirdly, the love of Jonathan was a giving love, verse 4 and 5. The occasion was immediately after David had killed Goliath. Take note. Now, when he had finished speaking with Saul, the giant slayer David had been brought to Saul by Abner, which was his cousin. In 1 Samuel 17, 57, we look back to the end of the last chapter. Now, notice David came before Saul with the head of Goliath. So here he's got his trophy in his hand. The son of Saul, notice, Jonathan was present, listening intently to David as he speaks with his father. I mean, he's just enthralled. He's seeing this whole thing. It says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The heart of Jonathan became one with David. The word knit there means to bond, to link together, or to come together as a chain, tied together. The love of Jonathan would be a great comfort and encouragement to David in the coming years when he would be expelled from the kingdom. He would become a refugee. David would be kind of betrayed by his wife, as we'll see. He would be separated from Samuel. What a refreshment to have a Jonathan come to him. (laughs) You ever been there? It is a love that comes alongside the strength and when needed. Listen to um, 2316. 
It says, Then Jonathan's Saul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows this. He strengthened him in the Lord. Well, that God would give to each of us a Jonathan and give us the wisdom to identify, appreciate, and value them. And that I would be a Jonathan as well. Listen to Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Great scripture. The love of Jonathan was a pure love. Notice secondly, verse 2 and 3. The love of Jonathan was a faithful love. Verse 2, the faithful love of Jonathan came by way of his father Saul. Stranger things happen. God is sovereign. He works different ways. Saul took him that day. He would not let him go to the home of his father anymore. And Saul, at this point, took David in his royal court as a permanent basis. As you know, David had been a minstrel to him, alleviating him from his demonic spells. David had been caring still for his father's sheep, and that's how he came to the battlefield for Goliath. And David had killed Goliath now, who had defied Israel and the God of Israel. So David now is brought into and to reside in the royal court. God is beginning to move him towards that time. David is very patient. David is very humble. David is just taking one step at a time as God is moving him. Saul wanted to have a man who knew God and had the blessing of God. David was the man. Now, notice verse 3. The faithful love of Jonathan was based on covenant. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. He repeats it. Now, the concept of covenant is very, the very hard relationship of the people of God with God. Jeremiah the prophet, you remember when we studied him, and Jeremiah 34, 18, indicates the process, the method of covenant to by cutting. He says, And I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts of it. And as the two or one person passed through it, the blood would come together, join it. It would seal whoever walked between it as responsible to fulfill and obey the covenant. All right? This is kind of a covenant that Jonathan and David were making. This was not a unilateral covenant, but bilateral covenant, both of them. Though the focus on Jonathan. Jonathan had made a covenant with David, which is based on the agreement of their love for God and to God. That's always a priority. That's the only reason they can even make this covenant. And therefore, it results in what? Love for one another. You understand? Always. Now, the love of Jonathan and David is seen throughout the record of Scripture. Now, here's the covenant being made, but to make it effective, I want to point out some things that go as we move along to show you the faithfulness to it. Jonathan did not betray David in the opportune time, first of all, when his father, Saul, commanded him to kill him in chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, all his servants, that they should kill David. Wow. Verse 2, Jonathan, being faithful, informed David of his father wanting to kill him and to be on guard. Faithful. 
Verse 4 and 5 of 19, John, listen, faithfulness defended David before his father, reminding him how David had risked his life in fighting Goliath and that he was rejoicing over it. And he tells him, you would be sinning against innocent blood, Dad. Wow. Talk about difficult confrontations. The love of Jonathan was a faithful love, wasn't it? Faithful. History bears record of it. Now notice thirdly, verse 4 and 5, the love of Jonathan was a giving love. Verse 4, the gesture of Jonathan towards David communicated heartfelt affection and his delight. Listen, in blessing him. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan stripped himself of his robe and gave it to David, communicating that he was one in the royal court. David was being acknowledged by Jonathan, listen, as his equal here. Jonathan was humbly submitting himself to David, even though he was only a shepherd boy. Jonathan was declaring his service to David. Jonathan was overjoyed. Listen, to bless David. When you love someone, you get blessed by blessing them. You understand? Whether Jonathan knew again, we don't know, but he had to have some inclination. In fact, it could even be very prophetic of that, affirming what God is already going to do. Notice Jonathan gave his armor, sword and bow to David for his protection. The love of Jonathan was practical, not just in word, but in deed. Jonathan was providing for the preparation of David here, notice, as he would become the armor bearer of his father Saul. David had nothing but a shepherd's sling. Jonathan was not insulting David nor minimizing God, but was merely being practical. Again, Jonathan knew that his father and he were the only ones who had swords when they went to battle with the Philistines in chapter 13, 22. Now, I'm sure they recovered much of the weaponry and they distributed around because they went to war there just with much farm tools, remember. They didn't have all the armament at that time. And yet God had given Jonathan and his armor that victory, so he's not minimizing, but he's being practical. There is a balance, ladies and gentlemen. Nehemiah had the sword in one hand and a trawl in the other building. Andrew Jackson said, pray and keep your powder dry to his men. Sometimes Christians are not practical. I'm going to love you. I'm gonna, I don't want to do no harm to you. I wish nothing on you, but you, you try to assault me, I'm not going to sit down and pray. I'm going to defend myself. I have no problem laying down my life for the gospel, but I have a problem laying down my life because someone attacks me. <laughs> There's a big difference. God also had given the victory to David regarding Goliath. But there's a practical aspect here. He's going to enter the court. There's going to be battles to be fought against the Philistines. Now notice, still in 4, Jonathan gave his belt to David. The word for belt means a girdle to bind oneself. The girdle would serve as 
as what held everything together. The, um, it would hold the rope closed, it would, the sword and all that. And also, remember Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Metaphorically, of that rope picking it up, tucking it into the bell so you can have free movement to work or to fight, not get tripped or stumble. You understand? It girds everything together. A belt holds your shirt in, the pants, everything. So you don't drop your pants and you don't, your shirt hanging out, it holds you together. It ties everything up. Now, Jonathan would be to David as a girdle to strengthen and undergird him as a friend. Incredible. He rejoiced with David in his promotion as he destroyed Goliath. The very first verse, his eyes are peeled. He's rejoicing. He's not envious like his father, which is another thing, too, because we're all, we get taught the psychological Babylonish garbage in American society. That if we have a bad father, then we, we're going to just transfer that to God and God's our father. Listen, don't, don't give me that junk. Matthew, Ezekiel 18, a young man lives with an evil father. If he decides not to be like his father, God is not calling him responsible for his dad's evil sin. Jonathan grew up in an evil home with Saul. He was not like his father, ladies and gentlemen. It was a choice. He wasn't dysfunctional. He wasn't a victim. He wasn't an enabler. He was responsible for his choice. And I don't know who would ever think that God's like their earthly father. That's an idiotic conclusion. If I really believe he's God, he has to be better than my father, different than my father. It's a repeated lie that gets repeated in indoctrination of the psychological babble. And it permeates our society and the church. Now, Jonathan, as we've seen, interceded for David in chapter 19, verse 2. He undergirds him. He encourages and tells him he will not die. He would do whatever it took. David, you tell me. I will tell you about my father, his plans, everything else. I, I will tell you truth. Jonathan would suffer insult, as I said before, and shame. Let me read you there in 1 Samuel 20, 30. It says, then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, you, listen to me, this is, this is insult, this is, this is horrible for a father to say to your son. Listen, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the, your mother's nakedness? If somebody else told you that apart from your dad, they'd be fighting words. Jonathan never allowed himself to be corrupted against David. Even when he knew it would forfeit his enthronement. In 1 Samuel 20, 31, the next verse, his dad says, For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Jonathan can say, well, you know, you got to write that. Well, you know, let's get rid of him. He wouldn't. He was a friend. Jonathan would risk his own life for David. Verse 33 of 1 Samuel 20 says, Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. 
by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. And David begins to become the refugee. Jonathan was deeply loved and valued by David. Listen to 1 Samuel 20, 41. It says, As soon as the lad had gone, remember they made that plan to hide until he would tell him and shoot the arrows further. He says, David arose from a place towards the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times, and they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. David knew how good a friend Jonathan was, and he's fleeing from the kingdom now at this point. Jonathan will seek out David later on in chapter 23, verse 16. In the wilderness, when David was at one of his lowest points and strengthened him, it says there, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand. Listen, in God. Wow. Jonathan would tell David that he would be the next king. In fact, there in 23, the next verse, 17. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Faithful. Now, Jonathan had no qualms knowing his dad would kill him. Remember Samuel told God, He'll kill me. Wow. Jonathan was telling David that his love would be the same whether he was in the wilderness, on the run, or on the throne as king of Israel. Wow. Look at five now. The loving affection of Jonathan to bless David was also expressed as he served the king. Notice here, David was an obedient soldier in the service to the king. Notice it says, so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. David was a courageous man. As he had been a warrior before Goliath, here he is. David defended the kingdom throughout the land wherever Saul sent him. And David conducted himself wisely, don't miss that, prudent, circumspectly, with great understanding. The reason being, the Lord was with him. He walked with God. Simple. Now notice David was then promoted by Saul. And Saul set him over the men of war. Saul could see David as a born leader. Saul knew David was led by God. David was a great enthusiasm and joy to all. Notice. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of of Saul's servants. David was accepted, pleasing to the people. David was also pleasing to the servants of Saul. The guy was incredible, contagious. You understand? Now, if you're walking with God and you're godly, you'll use it for good. But if you're not walking with God, let me tell you, you will turn it for yourself. Trust me. It has been said, quote, some people make enemies instead of friends because it is less trouble. It takes a lot of work to be a good friend. Let me ask you some questions at this point. 
Do you value your friends, those that God has brought into your life, or do you think that they're fortunate that they know you? Are you a friend, ready to serve at all times, or do you merely express it in word? You know they're going to move Saturday, and you say, hey, if, if you need some help, just give me a call. Just be there. You don't really mean it. You're just trying to sound like a friend. Are you using your friendship to serve, or are you just a user as a friend? I have been very fortunate to have so many good friends as a Christian. I knew a lot of people in the world, but I had three to four good friends I can count on. As a Christian, I've been more fortunate because people are so gracious because you're up front. And out of those relationships, God has brought many deep friendships. But either way, you must be a person of character, having integrity, and to be honorable in your relationship towards friends. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 12, He said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let me give you some mistakes people make and end up ruining their close, valuable friendships. Some begin to let their guard down, and they start acting carnal, not spiritual. They begin to cross boundaries that they should not, and they start losing respect for one another. They believe gossip, slander, or false information without ever going back to that friend. I have seen this often in the way that people attend a church for 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden something happens, they hear something, they don't do the right thing, Matthew 18, and they throw away, they pick up their family and they go to another church and they throw away 15, 20 years of relationship and go start somewhere else. Well, that's ridiculous. They reveal how immature and carnal they were. Now, I'm not speaking about if you move a job or stuff like that or if you just decide, you know, God is moving me on. That's fine. But I'm talking when people act carnal and you see it very clearly and they throw away the investment of that church for their family and themselves. You understand? 1 Peter 3.10 says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Shakespeare said, Love is not love that alters when alteration finds Oh, that God would give to each of us a Jonathan relationship as well as being a Jonathan to others. You understand? It's a two-way street, ladies and gentlemen. I may shock you, but it's not all about you. It certainly is not all about me. It's all about God. The love of Jonathan was a giving love. And so... Here we have Jonathan's love for David manifested by these three characteristics. The love of Jonathan was pure, a pure love. The love of Jonathan was a faithful love. And the love of Jonathan was a giving love. Great stuff for us. So good. I'm to learn from these men. And my example is Christ. Christ. 
above all things. Let's love one another in the right way. Pastor Xavier Reese has been using the example of Jonathan and David to illustrate the rewards in the investment of friendship. More vital, simple truths he draws from our series in 1 Samuel, highlighting chapter 18 today. Now today's message, Jonathan Loved David, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Jonathan Loved David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 